Welcome back to the Peaky Pod by Story Archives on the Midnight Exchange Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mario, with... Zachary, welcome. What's up, guys? We are here and back with the finale of Season 1 of, well, by now you know what show this is, the Peaky Blinders. I would, That's why you're I here. I hope so. If right, they don't know what show it is at this point, I, I think yeah. they have other problems. Might want to go yeah, to a doctor. I, yeah, get something, that you know, out. Yeah. check your memory loss or something <laughs> like that. But so far, um, we are five episodes deep. It is, just to be up to date here, we are it's twenty January in the year 2022. So we're actually a month away or probably less from the final part of season six of Peaky Blinders dropping. Mm-hmm. And so this is actually us finishing season one. So um, I th- we're going to have to have some intense discussions of what we're going to do next because there's no way we finish seasons two through five and part one of six before part two of six. So No, there's no way. Are, are we doing, I mean, we haven't talked about this prior to this podcast, but are we doing a uh, a fast forward, just going straight to part uh, season six I th- and I think doing the first half? I think that's... Oh, I think ahead. we should. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that makes the most sense. Otherwise, we're we're, we're going to be waiting for probably another month or two to just get through everything that's in the backlog currently. Yeah, and at least we yeah. can be current with the with the show. You know, watch an episode only as as we uh, record. I don't. It might be interesting to just watch it for the first time as we actually do the recording. I don't know. Um. Yeah, that that would be a, a different. Yeah. I th- yeah, that would be nice, which means that we probably shouldn't watch. Damn, you know you how difficult it's it. going to be yeah, not to binge it? I know, it's going to be so hard, but you can't binge it. Um, oh, but I, I think that I would can. be a fun experiment. Like, let, Let's see how that All goes right. on well, the first episode, at least. Can we at least do, if we're going to do that, oh my God, that is going to be tough. <laughs> All right, well, an episode every other day, because I know we're doing like two recordings a week right now and <laughs> postings a week. But maybe we up it to uh, like four when the new season comes out. <laughs> Do an alternating, alternating one. We could, we could see how that goes. Maybe. Oh, I mean, if here's the thing: if we're not watching it beforehand to prep um, and take notes and things like that. We could probably do like a five day sprint. We could do like Monday, Wednesday, th- Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights, and mm-hmm. then we'll just pick up after the weekend because we're gonna need the weekend to recover after that. Hold on, hold on. You're saying do a Monday through Friday sprint on season six? Yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I mean, once once it drops, let's just plan to take each night that week, and we'll go through an episode a night. I'm down for that. I think you know if we watch the episodes like at seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. This is the thing. Maybe we'll do two episodes in one night. All right. No, I don't. Getting, I don't I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself. I gotta work all too right. late, so we'll see. Right. I don't work at all, so we're good. <laughs> I've, I've noticed. <laughs> thanks man Appreciate yeah that. you got it you got any time yeah. all right um okay let's get into episode six of season one here and uh and get going the episode begins uh well should we probably recap let's actually let's do something for a sec up until now we've seen peaky blinder start start and it's pretty much the story of the Shelby boys coming back from war, mm-hmm. the Shelby family, and you got the, the three brothers coming back from World War One, and they're all changed men, but no one's more changed than Tommy Shelby. Mm-hmm. And um, in this war, you know, we don't get, we're not privy to all of what happens, but we can assume that they all saw incredible uh, just monstrosities and evil 
and that sort of thing just scars you and changes your perspective on life yeah. uh, when you when you encounter that. So we see these three brothers who come from a family of petty crime, I would say, because they're usually just bookmaking or yeah. Um, I don't even see so much thievery. It's more bookmaking and I guess extortion because they kind of run a little small neighborhood. Yeah, that's, and that's what it appears to be from people. Yeah, but uh, up till now, no one would say that they are like kingpins. They're, they're you know. They're blue collar men just who make a living in a in a slightly criminal way. Yeah. But more than slightly. They are they are criminals. They're they, a gang. And uh usually it's run by the oldest in the family. Mm-hmm. But as they've come back from war, Tommy has taken the mantle of leadership from Arthur, who is um having the Flanders blues. Yeah, I think they're all having the Flanders <laughs> blues, which is essentially they're all Bits having PTSD. Yeah. And, um, but Tommy is the strategist and Arthur is more of the hot-headed soldier, mm-hmm. um, who has his strengths, but if you're trying to scale your business to a fortune 500 gang mafia operation like Tommy is, then, uh, you need, well, you need Tommy. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty much what I'm getting at. You can't get there with an Arthur at, at the, uh, at the head. Legitimate business, John. All uh-huh. right. Okay. Well. Throughout season one, Tommy is plotting, and it really starts with the seizure of these guns from the, uh, I don't know who, I guess it's the British government. There's a shipment that gets yep. mistakenly put in their port, which they thought was actual like cigarettes and, and liquor that they were stealing. Um, and they end up with the guns, but Tommy sees that as an opportunity to leverage his way uh, into more power and influence in um, in the gambling world, which leads him to eventually plan to work with and hopefully overtake the kingpin in his way billy kimber yeah i was gonna say the true kingpins of the world here are are the billy kimbers well are you really gonna call billy kimber a true kingpin in the show i mean when we're comparing the peaky blinders to you know somebody who is a kingpin it's definitely not the peaky blinders it's going to be a billy kimber all right from what we have seen thus far i would name names of others but i don't want to get ahead of the season yeah I'm Billy Kimber. All right. Well, uh, season oh, episode six, the finale of this season, takes us to the pretty much the culmination of everything that's happened. Campbell has seized the guns because Grace has tipped off Tommy. Tommy and Grace are in love with each other, mm-hmm. and um, it's time to now take down Kimber because Tommy has successfully, although not in the way he would have liked, offloaded the guns, and he's for the foreseeable future not in risk of any criminal prosecution for that uh deed would you say so zach i think he's assuming yeah yeah assuming right well that leads us to this episode where everything's got to come together in one episode and you know take us into the next one so yeah or the next season so let's get started here uh, um yeah a let's lot get started a lot is going to happen in this episode so <laughs> yeah a lot yeah that's why i'm kind of like trying to pick my words carefully so i don't get into it but everyone who's listening to this i would hope you've watched it because spoilers are ahead uh, this is the finale yeah. this yeah. is the this is the recap so let's get into the episode recap mm-hmm. episode opens up with uh, our beloved inspector campbell visiting a whorehouse in the middle of the morning wow. i mean uh <laughs> usually usually in the morning i'm in the mood for some eggs and some bacon and you know, maybe an av- maybe a nice avocado toast and some he's coffee. He's looking but, for some different you know, kinds of. Campbell's eggs, looking for here. some. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's in the mood for some some well some rough sex. <laughs> keep, keep it frank. <laughs> anyway, you know, that is absolutely true. Yeah. 
he he is woken up, gotten fully dressed. He's going to the um, yeah. what is this like Chinatown to the laundromat here? Yeah, it's He's like a, a special it's an Asian, customer. It's an Asian brothel here, where yeah. we see actually that they have the suits of the Shelby brothers just waiting. Yeah, and we know and we know this place because Tommy in the opening season. It's kind of like I don't think coincidental, but the f- episode one opens up with Tommy in this sort of place with the horse and mm-hmm. the horse trip Getting with the, the powder, powder and all yeah. that. And the season ends with the same place, but now it's Campbell looking for a bit of a looking for a bit of Asian magic as well yeah. in his own way. Little bit. <laughs> now I'm assuming the manager of the brothel, as he's hiding behind the curtains, knows that this is Campbell, which is why he probably thinks he's about to get prosecuted for you know having a brothel or operating a brothel back there. But mm-hmm. little does he know is that Campbell is a man who has needs and he hasn't slept all night because I think this is the same night that he uh yeah he, he got creeped on uh, Tommy and Grace. Yep. I think this he is looks, the following day. He looks very well groomed for someone who hasn't slept. His home is, you know, well, on eight hours of sleep, my hair is not combed that well. You know, I mean, I think it's just if you wear a suit, you're going to look pretty well groomed anyways, right? If you got some greasy hair, you just slick it back. Slick it nah, back. He, I mean, it's he, doesn't, he doesn't look sleepless. He looks like, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, cut to Tommy. He's going into the garrison, and we find out that today is none other than the black Black star Star day Day. uh he walks in on arthur uh drunk and pretty much tommy's rounding up the boys letting everybody know that today is the day of the deed where they take out billy kimba yeah now why today i'm not exactly sure i guess we find out later in the episode but as far as the significance of the day i can't think of any uh the only significance of the day that i think exists here is I want to say there's a race happening today. Yeah, I would assume that would divide Kimber's attention, right? And that's why Tommy's going yeah. through with this today. Yeah. But he's getting the whole crew. Arthur, Charlie, John, who's he's like getting Campbell, it on right now. You I know, mean. but, you know, in, in, a, in a much better way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah and you know. we actually, in this scene, we hear John's kids for the first time. Yeah, I know. First we hear them. in all season one. We hear them, but we never see them yeah. still, which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I mean, there's not there's not too much. At to least say we about hear this. them. I mean, yeah. we, there's four of them, and at least we hear them for the first time. They're in the background of the bed creaking. Yeah, and how about Tommy? Just not really. Oh, giving he just, a damn he just walks in. in. Yeah, <laughs> I've told you to on. keep the doors you imagine, locked. Could you imagine if John did this to Tommy? What would be the reaction? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, Tommy almost got shot, so maybe John would get shot. Because I think yeah. Tommy would be a little quicker. <laughs> yeah. Well, while everyone else is either drunk or Getting, having sex with their yeah. wife, uh, Polly's actually saying a prayer for the boys, which she uh, interestingly kind of makes a note for each one. You know, she prays mm-hmm. for John, who has so many depending on him. Prays for Arthur, who's likely to hurt himself, and prays <laughs> for Thomas, who she says, although he is how he is, he does it for us. Yeah. Or so I think. Yeah. And uh, Tommy walks in on this, which is kind of like a private moment or something. Can we just say at this point that Polly's more of a mother to these boys than than their own mother because of how well, she died so young? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say like their own mother's absence. So she she's basically raising them. Yeah. In this episode, I think like one of the personal highlights for me is the you see a deeper bond between Polly and uh, Tommy in mm-hmm. this episode. Specifically for Polly towards Tommy. We don't get to hear a lot of her affection for him. But um, more than anything, we just see that I think she she truly loves him like a son. And maybe has a little special place in her heart for Tom. 
Yeah, from a like parental perspective, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's several things that we'll get into later in the recap that we see as well. But mm-hmm. Tommy's kind of naively, he says naively to Polly, you know, Polly, you won't need any more prayers after today. Don't worry. You know, it's kind of like things are going too smooth yeah. right now. Something's you know what I'm saying? Happen. He's he's being a bit, not a bit. He's being very arrogant. Yeah. Uh, in his plans towards taking down Kimber. So, How, however, I think he's he's always arrogant. It just so happens that most of the time his plans tend to work out. Yeah, but um in this particular situation, it's like he's he's making it sound like his path upward is over if this is successful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just a naive outlook on on a way to think about it when you're always going to run into some obstacles. It's just it's kind of like that tr- this classic trope of you know those the shows that have like a criminal underbelly like the character has a kind of a criminal tone yeah and he tells his family just one last job mm-hmm. one last job and i'm out it's, it's kind of what i felt last. like here all, you're right? always chasing a, chasing yeah. uh one more I'm whenever a movie one. starts with this is the last job and i'm out you know you, you know, you know it's not the out. last one yeah you know it's not the last one yeah well back to campbell in the asian brothel uh <laughs> with a very unsuspecting asian uh lady of the night well who, she's um, she's more of the lady of the morning i'd say don't you oh true true yeah. true lady of the morning even she comments it's a bit early for this no? <laughs> which when you sorry i uh when I the just prostitute's telling you it's a bit early for this it's kind of <laughs> like all you right maybe check yourself yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know Ka- campbell is a man it's needs and honestly you know, after watching Grace and Tom, did you notice it's the same song when Grace and Tommy? Yes, I did. I, yeah. it, 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 there's a lot of like uh, first time I noticed scenes that, or, or, or sensual scenes that you know it has that that tune playing. Yeah. Now they cut to Grace with this song playing, and I wonder why. To remind you because... why he's getting into. Uh, but what's going on with her? Into the horror's bed. Uh, well, Tommy is no longer here and this is i'm assuming the following day yeah tommy's already up and going i don't know i mean it's just just woke up i don't know something's on her mind mm-hmm. i feel so bad for this prostitute because she's so innocent but you know campbell is i mean i don't i don't know i mean prostitutes are uh, prostitutes. You know, yeah, i mean some, somebody's make... gonna yell at us for that but whatever you gotta make a living yeah They'll yell at you i'm not i'm not making fun of this i didn't make fun of her yeah. All right. Well, um, moving onward, Campbell's having some calm. I mean, we really got to talk about Campbell a lot here because, like, the oh, first yeah. ten minutes is about Campbell. Yeah, it's it's, it's all about his uh, his moment here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, well, you know, it starts fall. off calm. Starts off nice Hold and on. calm. You know, she gets on top of him, but the first then it gets. It's getting. Are we gonna have to put like a disclaimer in front of this episode? I don't know. Kids, I mean, look, this one. Um, we're just—it's gonna be explicit. Like, there, there's gonna be some cuss words. There, there's probably gonna be some graphic details in here. I was gonna make a comment. Whoa! How graphic are you gonna go? I, I mean, was I'm just gonna, gonna leave it at that. I'm man. not gonna get very graphic, but I mean, I think I think we're, we're getting graphic enough. You know, right? What? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't, um, I don't like the way this is going. I was right, going. Whatever. I was gonna say. Th- I mean, there's a lot that happens in this episode. <laughs> I was gonna say though, the first ten minutes here. It's 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 uh, Chester Campbell's fall from grace. I don't think it's his fall from grace because we already know he's kind of a piece of trash no, after what he said no. about sending Finn to a raping jail. But grace. Well, 
Oh, I, yeah, oh, you yeah, really yeah, want yeah. to be funny? I with really, that. That's I went funny good, with that. Right? Thank you. I, I had right. to say it's the only time I let could me, use let it. me make a comment here that while Campbell is you know having sex in the whorehouse, mm-hmm. uh, we get a voiceover of his letter to Grace, <laughs> which is just a perfect sign of his hypocrisy mm-hmm. because. Um, He's pretty much deriding her for for sleeping with Tommy. Meanwhile, he's literally he's, yeah, he's paying for sex and actually illegal. he's not even paying, which is the worst part. You know, it's like not the that's Are not you the sure worst part. He's not paying. Pretty po- pretty positive because the the Asian prostitute tells him you're a very special special customer, uh, which means that guy's not charging him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes um, sense. yeah, and also we get to see like a really kind of disturbing shot where like the. With the girl he's having sex with is not uh, not enjoying she, yeah, it very no, much. No, she's uh, she's got her head so, buried in the pillow. It, and, yeah, yeah. It's almost like this is like there's a, a split personality with Campbell, right? Where he has like this j- law side, but then mm-hmm. after he's done having sex with her, he says, "Oh, was that me?" Like like he's yeah. playing dumb as if this is not like who he actually is. Yeah, this it, is him. This is like him in his purest form. Yeah, and, and that that's kind of why, you know, I, I I mentioned you know this is kind of like his moment where. It, this is like this is his fall from grace right because we know he's a scumbag right but in yeah. his own mind he's not i mean he yeah. he he every when he gives a speech he ends his speech with amen right like he well, thinks you, what well, he's saying s- is so divine and so correct he does not see the fault in him and and i yeah. think that that's kind of proven when he's like oh was that me at, yeah. after the end of this and then but they still he, end, but they still changes, kind of like though. like yeah like, but they still kind of ask him yeah, but they still you can still empathize in a way because after he's like, "Will you sit with me for a bit?" He's just a lonely, he's just a lonely old guy, pretty much, pretty much for the most part. Yeah, right? but I, I just think overall, like after this part, like around this time, like his his demeanor does change, and he yeah. becomes a very different person. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I I might have said that kind of too. Uh, how do I put it? Like too plainly. Mm-hmm. It's not. You do empathize him because the show does kind of put something in the way of uh, showing, like, his motivation or who he is. And so you kind of see somebody who starts off on the right path but then gets his heart broken. And then to me, it's kind of like this is kind of like a revenge move on Grace. That's the way I interpreted this kind of thing, right? Where Mm -hmm. then he tries to kind of save face for, you know, doing something bad where you see also the aftermath where the girl is complaining to the – to the brothel manager, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And she's like, please, for God. you can just kind of see what she's saying. Like, please do not ever put me through that ever again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, you get this just, uh, this man who sees everyone else's faults, but not his own. Yeah. In that way. Where, well, anyways, moving on here, this scene continues in the brothel where the brothel owner gets a little bit of extra money from Tommy, who happens to be picking up his suits. <laughs> and um, Tommy gets a bit of information here. That Campbell's actually back there after having been uh, serviced in his establishment. <laughs> I thought actually this scene was uh, was a mistake on Tommy's part because it was very smug mm-hmm. on his part. And um, it kind of backfires because I think for the first time, he goes back there to rub something in Campbell's face. And Campbell actually, to me, for the first time, actually kind of one-ups Tommy with... Um, and their verbal, t- uh, you know, back and forth. Yeah, I do agree with that. It, it. I mean, I feel like this is something he could have just kept in his back pocket or something at some point. But yeah, exactly. That's you know, Tommy could have had yeah. this for you know forever. But then again, I do think there's other moments in this episode where I think it was good that Tommy let Campbell know that he knows that uh, he likes to try to 
crack down on crime across the city, but he's partaking with the town's local local prostitutes, right? Yeah. So it's an interesting back and forth between the two of them because Campbell sees Tommy as a reflection of himself, as someone who isn't loved for who he is and so that he'll always be hated by those he wants love from, right? Mm-hmm. That's, exactly. That's what the, the gist of this is. And honestly, Campbell just kind of wants to bring Tommy down with him. He's yeah. like, if I can't have Grace, you can't have her either. And so yeah. he pretty much all but tells Tommy here that Grace is the one who gave Betray up the guns him. to him, yeah. right? But Tommy still, for the most part, I, at least from the acting and from the editing, I don't. I still don't think that he's on to Grace being the leak here, do you? I, I think his interest is extremely peaked based on his facial expression when when uh, uh, Chester Campbell tells him that your heart is going to be broken by the end of the day. Yeah, um, he's like, um, she's like, what? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't think he really understands. Yeah. The following scene after the Tommy and Campbell uh, confrontation is my favorite scene in the episode. I'm going to spoil it here. Really, That's and it's interesting. Paulie visiting uh, Ada. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually, we get actual backstory on Polly here. Yeah, that she had we do. two kids, um, Sally and Michael. They were three and five. And uh, Polly had, I don't know if she stole the sheets from the hotel, but they were mm-hmm. given to her or they, she stole them, she whatever. Stole but someone was jealous of them because they saw them hanging out to dry and they had the name of the hotel on them. So mm-hmm. they reported her to the police. And when the police came to f- take the stolen sheets, they found. She had a spirit sill, which was, dist- I guess, distilling some gin mm-hmm. or making some gin. And for that petty crime, they actually took Polly's children away from her. Which is crazy. And they didn't, and they didn't uh, tell her where they took them, which seems a bit extreme, mm-hmm. especially for that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially Would you for agree? that time. No, I totally agree. I mean, I don't know what the law was in, in London or, or Birmingham over there at this time, but it does feel a bit extreme. Yeah, you know, one thing I picked up on in this scene, and I've never picked this up on any rewatch I've done of Peaky Blinders, is when Polly's telling the story to Ada, it's almost like Polly is relating to Ada and that she was weak like Ada once Mm -hmm. uh, because she says that her kids were taken from her because she was weak, Mm -hmm. right? And essentially what she's kind of relating to is that we're seeing that Polly was not always this hardened woman that she is today, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's kind of what I interpret from this scene. And she's still kind of not, right? right? Like, I, I well, feel like she ends she's this. she's not, but she is. It's like Tommy's soft, but he's not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you have to harden your shell so that the world can't hurt you in that way, right? Yeah. But she- what she tells Ada and reminds Ada of here is that, you know, the re- you know why your kids are never going to be taken from you? Is because Tommy's not going to let them exactly. take them from you. And so we see here also what I was saying earlier is that we see that deeper connection between Polly and Tommy and the love she has for him. Mm-hmm. And she knows that he's ultimately doing good for his family and that he loves them all to death. Mm-hmm. Right. So Ada's still kind of daft here. And we'll <laughs> get into why Ada's kind of daft in this episode for something she does later. In my opinion, I think I'd absolutely kill my significant other if she did what Ada does yeah, I agree in the end. <laughs> I can't even pull any punches no all right poor Carl is all I have to say <laughs> well anyways Polly goes and breaks this news to Ada and essentially alludes that Tommy has worked a way to get Freddie out of prison yeah by the way you think this guard could be any more uh mysterious as to what his motives are entering that cell not too much no, no. I mean it He's was like, a- 
Get up, Freddy. You're not going to make it to Brixton, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Follow me, mate. You're not going to make it out alive out of here, are you, Freddy? <laughs> he, he's actually, this guard was actually threatened by the Peaky Blinders. He didn't want to lose his eyes. So uh, we're going to give you some spoilers there. And, I can't uh, blame you. Say that Freddy gets out of prison. Gets out of, gets out, get out of jail free card. We'll find out how later. Now on to Churchill. Okay, again. Your I, favorite I casting have, of exactly. this show. I, I've been talking about this. I think this is the worst casting of Winston Churchill I've ever seen. I know yeah. he's supposed to be younger in this than in some of the older shows, but can you look this up guy Churchill just seems hair, like he's hey, acting Jimmy. too hard. Like he's just trying too hard to, to be this character that he cannot be. Can you get Jimmy's attention and ask him to look up Churchill with hair? Yeah, Jimmy's typing right now. I can see. Okay, all right. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Jim. Uh, so... I was actually surprised in the scene because Churchill mentions Grace and asks, is she worthy of some commendation? And I thought Campbell was going to p- completely just pull the rug out from under her and, and throw her under the bus. Were you surprised that he did not hear? Mm. A little bit. I, I was a little surprised. He, he even goes so far as to say to not arrest the Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. You caught that too, right? I didn't hear it this watch, but I I have before, yes. Yeah, well... Yeah, he has plans for them, that's right, yeah. It's like he wants to take justice into his own hands for the Peaky Blinders. He doesn't want to go through the court system, right? Mm-hmm. Which, to me, makes it seem like maybe Tommy did do the right thing by visiting him in the, uh, in the whorehouse because... Because he has dirt on him. It, maybe so that was like the only reason i thought so mm-hmm. maybe not such a bad casting honestly I don't know. young young churchill kind of looks like your younger brother yeah jimmy just <laughs> sent uh <laughs> he does look uh, just like I, your younger brother kind of I, I i can see some similarities there come on that is your younger <laughs> brother good lord that's wild all right well um after the meeting with Campbell and Churchill, and we find out that maybe Tommy should not be so smug because Campbell's not actually going to leave town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Tommy breaking down the plan of hitting the Worcester races and uh, having the Lee boys pick off the bookies in the races while the Peaky Blinders go after Kimber. Yeah, so there is a race going on on this day, this Black Star. Yeah, day I guess it's a big race, too. Yeah, so that's, that is the why. Up till now, it's just kind of like in this episode, you get this sense of things are going too smooth, right? Yeah. But you see the undercurrent of, of things conflict. going awry. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you do get a sense of that. But everything up, I mean, we're, we're about 20 minutes into this whole thing, 15, 20 minutes, and there hasn't been a single bad thing happening yet. So you, you, know, you know something is going to happen at some point soon. What did you think of Ada's entrance here in this scene of how um, dramatic it was? Mm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think too much of it, honestly. No? I mean, it was. It was a little odd. It was very like, set up. You know how back. How long was Ada back behind yeah, that door? I mean, and I don't know why she's like introducing her now. I feel like everybody would, whatever. Nah, yeah, nobody knows the baby. It's no, a boy, yeah, exactly. not a girl. Yeah. Carl, I love this line. He looks just like me. <laughs> Arthur's uh, just like the idiot you love. Yeah, hey man, you got a lot of harsh things to say about Arthur, and I'm not gonna stand for that, to be honest with you. I think I think he's great and hilarious, but he's also thick. I just, I, you know, he's thicker than Tommy, but I guess like who isn't? <laughs> All right, so we get 
ate up forgiving Tommy in this scene. And I, you know, you can actually kind of see like a tear in Tommy's eyes welling up a little bit here mm. when he sees Ada. And we find out that the baby's name is Karl Marx of all the names oh, that she could have gone with. <laughs> Such right? a great name. I want to like the baby, but. Uh, not after that name. No. Yeah. Well, it's not the baby's fault. Uh, just like a lot of things aren't the baby's fault, like being rolled out into the middle of a firefight. Uh, a lot of things, just not yeah, the baby's you know, fault. Some weird episode. things like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Freddy's being released by the guard who uh, is scared to have his eyes taken out by the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And um, we get a very dramatic breakout here by Danny Whizbang with the with the Lewis gun, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get a couple of things here. We get the setup for the Kimber fight. We get this really cool puddle shot that took me off guard yeah. when it panned up. It took me off guard completely. I thought I was looking <laughs> at like from the bottom of a bridge shot and then probably the greatest uh build-up shot in the series so far. I think so. It yeah. is it is great. It's, they're going to war. They're getting ready. Mm-hmm. The boys are ready, but things are going smooth so far here. Still. And yes. they're heading to the garrison for some pre-fighting drinks. Beer, no whiskey. Whiskey's after. Yeah. No, they had a pint and they had a little bit of whiskey, but not a lot. Uh, a it chaser, a, yeah. It's a, a pint chaser. and a chaser, that yeah. That was it. Well, There's we get the, a... The one Tommy gun that was never found. Yeah, we get the one Tommy gun that was never found, and uh, it's none other than Danny Wisbang, who gets completely doxxed here by Freddy, uh, just completely. Like, when he goes to take Freddy out of the back, he says, Danny, what are you doing here? I thought you were dead. And Danny goes, I live in London now. Are these cops not going to follow up on this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, Danny, Danny's Owen's alive and he's living in London. Yeah, but I don't like, know. What, what are we doing? Like, what are they going to follow up on, though, at this point, though? Right? I mean, I, I, I don't want to get too much away arresting the, episode, the Arresting but... the guy who held up the cops and took a prisoner to, to break him out of prison? That's kind of a big deal still. Yeah, but maybe you're forgetting parts of the episode. I, uh... I, I don't think there would have been enough time for them to follow up on this after just being held at Tommy Gun Point. They'll follow up the next day, Zach. They're not dead. This is this whole episode is one day. Well, you get what I'm saying? Would you want if you were breaking me out of prison, Zach, do you want me to come out of the cell in front of the two cops that are with me and say, Zach, what are you doing here? I thought you were dead. And then you say, No, I'm living in I'm living in Miramar. You know, like is that what you want? <laughs> no you don't come on be honest no i i, I think you're I'll, I'll bring it back up once we get later into the show we'll of cir- course we'll i know we know that we know that too what happens so that's, but that's what up, I'm saying. at this there's, there's at no this point plot. at this point it doesn't happen though there, so there's no there need to, a, stand to, to, to do it like there's just, yeah but there's you're no playing you're, you're playing god right now with what you know all right you can't do that you got to take it as you know it right now and right now that didn't happen well, right now it just happened. Like it just happened. Whatever. <laughs> Run us down this scene. So right now we have Tommy in the in the garrison with Grace, uh, both pouring a pouring a couple of pints, and uh, you know Tommy wants to make sure that Grace is at the next family meeting, which kind of implies, you know, hey, maybe. Uh, Maybe we get married or, you know, some, something along those lines, right? And it wants to go to the next step. And it looks like uh, like Grace is a little guilt-ridden here. And I don't know. Just, just, just felt a bit bad about something that we don't quite know what about yet. Well, we do know because we know Grace 
gave up the information yep. that Tommy was going after Kimber and his mm-hmm. men. And so she's guilt-ridden about this because yeah. Tommy wants to actually kind of take the next step in their relationship here. And um, she's basically stabbed him in the back twice. I didn't. Yeah. We don't see her give up the information. No, we, d- Kimber, we don't. That's why I was saying like we don't really know, right? Like yeah. it's kind of it's in the subtext. Yeah. Well, it's in it's it's in the subtext, but we don't actually see it. We never see that moment. And before mm-hmm. for the other betrayals, we do. Yeah. But we do find out uh, from Jeremiah as the source here that um, Kimber and his men are actually on to Tommy. And they're actually coming with two wagons full of men. Mm -hmm. And um, they're coming for Tommy's head for the most part. So everything has backfired on Tommy at this point. And uh, Grace is, I think... At this point, kind of still, she's scared of Tommy of what his reaction is going to be when she finds when he finds out. Well, I mean, she betrayed him. He he is pretty intimidating, and after seeing what he just did in the last episode, I can't really blame her, right? Like it's again, it's only been what a couple days, maybe a day. Yeah, I don't know why I remember it being Finn who broke the news here and not Jeremiah. I don't know. Uh, maybe because Finn broke the news about the cops in the last episode. Yeah, he did but, say, um, he's like, oh, you'll never find him. Well, you get the actual, you'll never find him. Yeah, yeah that that whole thing. <laughs> uh, Tommy has a confrontation with Polly and Ada, telling him to get out and to get out of town. And at this moment, it's when Tommy finds out Finally realizes. That, that it was Grace who actually has been leaking this information to mm-hmm. Campbell this whole time. The Freddie Thorne thing, mm-hmm. the guns, and now Kimber. Now, the Kimber one doesn't make sense to me because why would Grace even mention that? I, so, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, too, and I, I don't think it was like, oh, this is going to happen this day. I just think she had enough information to be able to tell uh, Campbell, Inspector Campbell, that you know, they were planning something on this day. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe they had a sense of what was going on. I'm not 100% sure how things went from a, a black star on a piece of paper in Grace's mind to Billy Kimber, but somehow it, somehow it did. Yeah. Well, on to another one of my favorite scenes of the episode. We get the Polly and Grace confrontation because after Polly talks to Tommy about... Um, it being the barmaid who's been exposing all of Tommy's secrets mm-hmm. to uh, betray the family, Polly says she'll handle Grace. And so she confronts her with a very intimidating needle as she pulls out of her hair. That's a and, big needle, uh, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, you never know when you'll need it. You know what I mean? It's like the kind of thing you stick through in olive. For like a martini or something. Yeah, like one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I always carry one of those on me, so in case. Something has to go down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Quick. Totally. In and out. Boom, boom. Yeah. What movie has that? It's like a very thin needle, and it like goes in and out. It's like a very like clean, oh. clean kill. I, I can picture. But you know what I'm thinking about. of? I'm not thinking of a movie. All right. You know, um, you know, the tuna is very expensive, right? Like uh, good quality sushi tuna. I know you're not that big into sushi. I but. love sushi. I just don't like any other seafood. Like I can eat. I love sushi. Interesting. Yeah. Well, sushi, uh, tuna is like very expensive in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you don't kill it properly, um, it actually, like, I think it emits like a, um, a toxin in its mm. body that lessens the quality of the meat. <laughs> because, in fact, the meat becomes tough 
if you don't kill it a certain way. And the tool is actually like this, it's like this needle that you drive through the head. I think it's the head. It's straight into the spine. You got to uh-huh. do it in one shot into the tuna. Uh-huh. And, um, it's actually pretty interesting. Let's let's pull up that. Let's pull up the. Let's do a little. <laughs> we gotta look this up now. Hold gonna, on. Gonna do... Jimmy's gonna look up how to kill tuna, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. With needle. All right. Let me see what this is. Um. This is it right here. What is this? The Every... warning graphic: how to kill a tuna for your catch or something like that. Oh, you're sharing. Okay. This is this is how you're supposed to kill it. <laughs> Japanese slaughter method for tastier fish. All oh right, boy. all right. This is a six-minute video, so we'll, we'll. We're not gonna watch the whole thing. But you see that needle? Yeah, I see that Boom. needle. That thing. It looks like it went right into its eye. Yeah, it does. It's that's the way to do it. It's very disturbing. That's really weird. See, you see that needle right there? Yeah, Boom. it's you, really you put long. Put that in there. It's very disturbing. This is actually really disturbing. It is really disturbing. It kind of ah. makes me not want it now, but you know, most Yikes. of the fish is, is all muscle, right? This doesn't feel clean. No. <laughs> I just feel like I just saw. Uh, ah, like some. <laughs> this is like watching Stanley Chapman die or something. <laughs> what is this? And why are there so many views on this? Okay, actually, it's the most humane way. They stab the brain first, and the fish is brain dead immediately. Any movement after that is involuntary muscle spasm. Yeah, I was saying like the whole thing is just muscle, right? Like it's it's like uh, it's like when a lizard loses its tail, its muscle just spasms and freaks out. Yeah yeah anyways what's this well, next one look like is it a little cleaner i don't want to look i don't want to watch it why you're not going to eat any tuna sushi anymore i will but that's like an <laughs> ugly looking fish that is an ugly looking it's fish like a wow that's a f- look at that eye that's nasty all right like, back to the, the show like a like a, a 50 cent is coin this, is this tab back to being shared do you still see the tab for peaking no i do not see anything yet. you gotta reshare oh, that thing God. to me yeah just uh oh, that was banter banter that was something else i mean it, it's more humane than it looks. I mean, it, it's, it's, I guess it's better than being boiled alive, right? You know. You got to work on your banter. I mean, you brought up you brought up sushi. You showed me a, a tuna fish getting getting slaughtered. <laughs> Literally, slaughter was in the title. <laughs> right, I was in well, the mood for sushi recently. I don't know about that now, but we'll see. Speaking of slaughter, yeah. Now I kind of. <laughs> all right. Speaking of slaughter, uh, Polly's about to slaughter Grace here. And uh, she actually confronts her and um, pretty much calls her out on her shit. She's like, oh, we know what you did. Everyone knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And Grace pulls a gun on her immediately. I'm an Asian Which Polly doesn't care. You think Polly's scared of death? It no, takes... she's playing with a needle in her hand. She doesn't give a crap. <laughs> she doesn't. You imagine someone bumps into her one day with that needle in her head? Like, the, the end. Dude, the seriously. End. But um, she does call out Grace here. She essentially says, like, I know you fell in love with him. Admit it. And so they actually share a drink, and um, she's really straight with her here. She tells her, like, Tommy might take you back. Who can understand men? Mm-hmm. Um, and you did save his life on the day the cops left, that which is why you're not dead already. Yeah. But she still kind of keeps it real with Grace and says, look, although Tommy may forgive you, I'll I'm never forgive real. you. And yeah. I'm the heart of this family. Yep. And uh, she says essentially GTFO by tonight or um, else. <laughs> are you going to be dead in the morning? And, uh, you know, you kind of see here there's almost kind of a bit of respect f- of Polly for Grace. Don't you s- kind of feel that a little bit? From Polly for Grace? Yeah, just a <laughs> little bit. I, I don't Or maybe know. it's just some, so. kind of like a, an admiration that she would have had had Grace not betrayed Tommy. 
Yeah. You know, because ultimately she wants she wants a good life for Tommy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think she has any admiration for Grace. I, I, I think she's just are keeping you jading, a good, she has are a good you, poker face. Are you sure you're not letting your own hate of Grace? No, like I told you, this the, scene, the, the last episode sure? was the turning point for me with when it comes to Grace, right? Like, um, I could not stand the character up until the last episode, and the, the character had has developed so i mean like i'm not at this point in the show i don't dislike grace okay i think i think her character has value and weight to it and mm-hmm. i don't know but i just i just don't think polly thinks that way of grace all right fair fair enough well grace does get her with a good line at the end here where mm-hmm. i disregarded probably the first two or three times i've seen this episode but um she threatens polly essentially kind of verbally she says you know maybe what really upsets you is one day you'll lose him which Mm -hmm. to me that line doesn't fit in with the with the with the tone of this conversation considering grace is in the wrong here you know in my opinion why because we're team tommy here right yeah our team shelby anything for a shelby shelby limited company (laughs) shelby company limited we're for it yeah no matter what right no matter how criminal it is we're for it exactly and um and grace kind of called out polly and uh, Polly does react because I was like, ah, that line doesn't make any sense. But Polly does have like a facial reaction, like vividly to the line as yeah. Grace says it to her. And so, what did you make of that? I, I mean, what does that mean? I think so. First of all, uh, Polly basically tells Grace that if he doesn't, like, I'll kill you myself if, if yeah. she's not here. Right? That's kind of a hard thing to just walk away from and not respond. At all. Is it Especially because when Grace like at attached. this point is not decided to leave town? She's just avoiding him for now? Yeah. Is that like, what, what this like, is? I, I think this scenario is like the same reason why you admired Freddy early on when he didn't want to leave just because he was told to leave, right? Yeah, I, I kind think this of, is something right, yeah. where it's just like you, you just can't re- not respond to that. And, I mean, she, she is head over heels for Tommy. She doesn't know. Uh, Polly's threatening her. Yeah. You got to have the last word. Yeah, I, I get it. I thought at this point she was just skipping town because later on in the episode, look, this is an episode recap. You're going to see what happens later, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about it all now. She doesn't end up skipping town, which to me was a bit odd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, it makes you wonder, maybe the line was geared towards Polly because it was kind of like maybe this was a scare tactic for her. And Grace was kind of calling her out saying, maybe you don't want to lose Tommy because maybe Tommy is... Uh, your ticket out of here and you want to use him and I'm a distraction to him in that way. Cause I want to stop him from this life of crime. Right. Cause yeah. Grace tries to talk him down from this life. Right. Yeah. And to that point, I mean, when Polly was talking to Ada, I mean, the, the, that whole conversation ended in the fact that, you know, how she used to be weak and, and this and that, but now Tommy's here. Right. Yeah. And Tommy's, Tommy's the strength. Right. So they, they, the whole family relies on Tommy. Tommy, and Tommy, because Tommy. Because Polly just, she's like this mother figure to Tommy. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think she's kind of using that um, uh, in regards to, to her her final words, saying, oh, you know, someday you might lose him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Tommy, he's on his way to war with Kimber, who is a few minutes out from the town here. And we get a look at, at Sergeant. I don't know if he was a sergeant 
or corporal. I don't know what he was. Jimmy, if you can look that up when you get a chance and let let me know. Uh, what what is Jimmy uh, looking up again? Uh, Tommy's rank in the uh, army. Yeah. Okay. Jimmy's typing. Okay. All right. Well, as he's typing, I'll kind of give a lowdown what's going on here. Tommy's giving essentially a military speech to his soldiers who are outnumbered three to one by the Kimbermen. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah has taken a break from his priestly duties uh, to join in on this war. Scud has a kind of badass moment here where he's taking the, the flank or the rear with Arthur. And uh, the small Heath rifles are out for one more battle, one more victory here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy is telling me that Tommy was a sergeant major. Sergeant major, that's right. I remember Danny, uh, Danny Wisbane calls him sergeant major. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great scene, man. These guys are gearing up for death, essentially, right? Yeah, I mean they're they know they're outnumbered. They know they're outgunned. They mm-hmm. uh, they don't know. It's they're confident anymore. that they're gonna win, but they're still prepared for the worst case scenario too. Yeah, where Tommy goes to get like a moment of solace to himself in mm-hmm. the garrison while. While he awaits the arrival of Kimber. Yeah. I Meanwhile, mean, back at the... Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I think some of it's kind of like a head game, right? Like, you got to think you're going to win. Like, you've got to you have, have that to. Yeah, you can't, right? you can't go into battle. Even if you're no. outnumbered if 10 you're to 1, you got to think no, you're going to win. You're gonna, every you're decision lost. you make, you're going to make in fear. Yeah, you've already yeah. lost. You're already lost if you're going in with fear. Exactly. That's it. So, as, we are, as our Winston Churchill with hair would say... <laughs> <laughs> How many years do you think? Because, you know, Churchill didn't have a great start to his military career, um, which is, uh, you know, people I think don't know that about Churchill, that he had kind of like a, there. you know, I had read a great comparison of what it would be like. It would be, I guess, essentially like uh, a president in our country having like a major uh, failure of leadership, or not a failure of leadership, but a, just a failure in, a, in one decision that they made mm-hmm. in a battle. Mm-hmm. And just bouncing back and eventually becoming a hero to their country in, in their darkest time, right? Yeah, I'm kind of. Are you are you familiar with Churchill's background that there was a there was a military battle um, that he had a there was a fallout because it cost a lot of lives. It, it's been a long time, so I don't remember the scenario. But the American um, uh, alternative that I have in mind, and you'll have to let me know if, if you think there's any similarities there, because again, I, I, I can't remember what happened at the beginning of his career, but I'm thinking of uh, General George S. Patton, right? Like, they're, they're, in the war, he he did a lot of great things, but at the same time, he did a lot of things that got a lot of his own guys killed. So, yeah. like, I, I would, and we, we kind of treat him and, and think of him as like an American hero, right? Like he, he was an incredible general, got shit done. And I, I think that that's how we, that, that's the perspective that we have on him. I'd have to look it up because I don't remember what the exact, are we going to ask Jimmy here? We're going to keep on moving. Uh, I'll ask Jimmy to do it real quick while we continue All right. on. All right. Well, um, I'll continue on here as we, uh, we get back to the police station with Campbell and the sergeant of the police station, who I thought was clearly in the pocket of the Peaky Blinders. But in this episode, I was proven very wrong. I thought that this guy was like the one top uh, bribed official of the police department. But he's letting Campbell have it for allowing um, essentially a a gang war to take place in Little Heath or Small Heath, not Little Heath. And... Um, Campbell's pretty much allow wants the beasts to devour each other so they can pick the bones, as mm-hmm. he says. 
Yeah. Did you find anything, Jimmy? Uh, no, he, he's telling me he couldn't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do we pay you for, man? I don't know. I mean, in his defense, that is kind of a odd thing to have to look up on the spot. So. Let me see. Let me look it up, Jimmy. Okay, okay. Okay, there was a mistake on the war council. He led supposedly a disastrous campaign against Turkey. Mm. And what happened? They they failed. And then the there battle. was. Okay, it was called Gallipoli. I knew I had Gallipoli in my head the whole time. It's called the Gallipoli disaster. Okay. Yeah. So um, it said the invasion had been scuttled by incompetence and hesitancy by military commanders, but fairly or unfairly, Churchill was a scapegoat. So we don't know if he was the real scapegoat, but someone always takes the fall, right? Yeah, always. Yeah, well, back at the garrison, we see Tommy trying to get a moment of solace here, and you get this bartender, man, this barkeep who, you know, very, I got to say, he had a reason to stand up to Tommy here, you know, but what a moment, man. Read the Mm -hmm. room. You know, read the room. Yeah. He's like, hey, Tommy, you can't get everything you want, huh? <laughs> you got my bar, but you couldn't yeah. get Grace, huh? You know, well, like, just, uh. <laughs> no, I, I, I get <laughs> you imagine that. You, but... you imagine you're at a funeral, Zach, <laughs> and someone comes up to you and they're like, oh, man. <laughs> what? Oh, Tommy, you got my bar. <laughs> here's, here's, Tommy, here's you got deal. my bar, but uh, <laughs> she, uh, she died, huh? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that it, sucks, Tommy. <laughs> here, here's what I'm thinking, though, right? Like, I, Tommy might die. So when else is he going to get the chance to say this, right? And on top of this, the day before, the night before, he had a gun pressed into his head from Chelsea oh, Campbell right. about right. where the, the barkeeper did is, have right? his So gun. I think, I think right pissed. now he's fired up. He's, and he's like, I might not get another chance to stick he's it been to up. Yeah. He's been up all night like Campbell. He hasn't slept yeah. a wink. He has no idea what's going yeah. on. But the weird part about this speech is it's it's kind of both confrontational and slightly motivational at the same time. Because yeah. he's like, you know, the thing is, Tommy, is uh, you boys are criminals, but it's like you are criminals, you know? Yeah. He's like, I, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. At it, least Tommy paid for his bar. I thought Tommy was going to smash a glass over this guy's head because yeah. I could not remember this scene for the life of me. I have a feeling like one of the takes, Tommy does smash the glass over his head, but they kept it rolling. I don't know. That, that would have been funny to see, but... I, well, you do I, get I an iconic monologue the, uh, here. You are criminals. I like that bit. I I like the... Uh, this is probably my actual real favorite scene of the episode where he talks about the soldier's minute. Mm-hmm. And here you kind of see like the new Tommy, the post-war Tommy, where he is living for the like the reenactment of that soldier's minute. It's like he lives for the thrill of that. Well, right? Nothing, nothing so there can is beat no the past. high of a soldier's minute, right? And I, I think that's kind of what he's alluding to. And he's talking about. I mean, he's talking about a few different. You think things it's here. that shallow? You think it's like pleasurable? You think? I think it's. I think we're getting a mix of seeing both Tommies here. We see the yeah. smiling Tommy alluding to marriage with Grace earlier, mm-hmm. and then now we see the Tommy, where. It, it is completely true. Like in that, in the soldier's minute where you have past and future don't matter. It's just mm-hmm. what's happening right in front of you. Yeah. And that's like pretty much any, any scenario it's of high conflict. It's like double, what's happening double. before it's done. Yeah. I mean, you know? it, it's, it's, it's like anybody who, who's a daredevil or, uh, you know, does, does stunts or anything risky like this. I mean, it's, yeah, there's, there's nothing before there's nothing after there's what is right now, because if you screw up, you're dead. Right. Like yeah. it's not that that is pleasurable, 
but it yeah. is an extreme high because your body's releasing similar chemicals and i mean well, you're getting scientific yeah, on this I mean, there's there's nothing else like like in your mind at that point right yeah scientific may be but correct yes yeah okay thank you Mythbusters. you're welcome buddy all right well finn is busy <laughs> doing his own great impression of paul revere here finn is just always the alerter of people coming in uh-huh. notice that yeah like, well and again, like, we gotta get this boy on screen <laughs> peaky what blinders w- was a game filled with young people kids come most on of the time. come on bro finn is like four years old Are i know i'm me? no i'm not disagreeing I'm, i completely agree he he's he looks super young to be an 11 year old and we'll get into this next season and things like that but um yeah i i think they're just they're using kids because what are you what are you gonna suspect a kid to do yeah you like, got a point you got a point with the kid thing yeah well, Kimber's on his way with like forty men. Yeah, it looks like, and like he's an riding army. on a carriage, like a Caesar. Yeah, back there. Um, See now, but then if I were Kimber, I would not have in front. here though. Like I would not have gone with the guys. I would just been like, yeah, just go do it. He's like he wants to prove a point, yeah. you know. Which I don't know why, because these men are clearly not loyal to Kimber. No, uh, well they're scared. It of is now. right, like for what? Because he's like what? a kingpin. He's he, like you're gonna. He's going to kill you if, if, I mean, look, just look at his attitude. Like, I get it. He's not but, bright. Uh, like, obviously, we know the accountant is the one who's bright. But, but if the accountant is the, the bright one, then shouldn't the accountant be vetting these men? These are the most useless soldiers I've ever seen in my life. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. They don't even have their guns loaded. They got to load them as they're. Yeah, you're like, boys, put your bullets great. in your guns. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> So this, this is such you know, a sad got like, standoff. It's like 10 like guys 40, against 40. Yeah, 40 versus like 7. I don't even think they got 10. I think you're counting generous there. Yeah, it's probably more like 8, honestly. Yeah, it's like 8 or 9. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're uh, they're waiting for Tommy's order. And this is really the, the standoff here at this point where mm-hmm. if you had to look at the battle, you would say there's no way Tommy wins this no. without some sort of card pull, being pulled out. But... Luckily, he does have a card being pulled out. Mm-hmm. But before then, we get a shot back at the police station. We get a shot of Polly and the concern of them. And you get the sergeant who's just trying to do his job. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, look, man, there's a missing Lewis gun in that, in that siege. What if that's in here? Mm-hmm. Okay. But Campbell lets him have it here. He really does let him have it um, in his own way. And honestly, I think Campbell's being smart here. Do you not think he's being smart? I, I think he's being smart. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think it was smart to to let uh, guards down everywhere else, right? But you know, this specific area made sense for it. But well, no, I, I, I take think it he's back. being smart because because I mean, you have it, it's it's like the same scene where the IRA man Burn was coming in there for uh, Tommy, like the guns, right? Like, who cares what happens? Because either way, we win he because and. And evil is, is yeah, being the, destroyed. Yeah, the, what a hypocrite. The sergeant yeah. actually literally did that same thing, yeah. right? But on the orders of Campbell, I think he did that. He, but yeah, also definitely on, on his orders. Campbell just I would have to say, I would say the reason Campbell's being smart here is because I think he's been alerted that there's nobody there, that streets are empty. Mm-hmm. So if the streets are empty, um, by all means, kill each other. You guys are like the two worst gangs in the area. Mm-hmm. Kill each other. We'll come in and pick up the bodies now. They should probably have reinforcements in the area so when the fighting is done, you arrest everybody who's left over. That's what I would have done, personally. But Campbell's got his plans for the Peaky Blinders, so uh, 
And I think, honestly, Campbell's thinking that the Peaky Blinders aren't going to survive this battle today. I mean, you? I think everybody's thinking that, right? Everybody yeah. can watch this at this point. Yeah. How you like that? How you like Kimber's tie? <laughs> uh, I missed it. Let me, let me, is it, is it like, uh, that's very colorful. Yeah. Oh, right, look, look who it is. It's Tommy Whizbang and Freddie Thorne. Thorne with the Tommy gun. Yeah. Well, you get, um, honestly, the, the great thing here about Freddie showing up, is it a Tommy gun or a, it's called a Lewis uh, gun? It's a Lewis gun. Sorry. I, okay. I, I thought I heard them say Tommy gun earlier on. No. It is so a Lewis machine gun. Yeah. So he has this Lewis machine gun who back in this day, honestly, Freddie could wipe out all the Kimber's oh, yeah. men with that gun. Yeah. The question is, are there is there enough? Is there enough in that drum mag? There's to, enough in that drum mag at this distance. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, my <laughs> honestly, if this was not such a scripted television show, Freddie should have not made a big show about that, right? Because the moment everybody raises their guns like that in real life, all the shooting is going to get started. I would start to assume there's going to be one guy who doesn't have trigger training on there, right? Yeah, somebody somebody's going to jump the gun and, and shoot. Mm-hmm. Here we and here comes. My favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> the smartest move ever by Ada. She brings her newborn child in the middle of this firefight between no Kimber and the PD yeah. blinders. Is no man's land a thing? Because yeah, per- it is. obviously it is. Yeah. It is? Do people actually obey it? Because in this scene, Kimber opens fire on Tommy after Ada's impassioned speech that goes to shit. Tommy gets shot in the chest because of the distraction. Well, <laughs> and Danny Wizbang dies because of her mistake. Be- and nobody seems to be holding Ada accountable for Danny Wizbang and Tommy getting shot. No. Because she literally brought baby Carl Marx into the middle of this firefight. Yeah, but I mean, it could have it could have gone worse, right? Like if it didn't happen, who knows what would have happened, right? Let's also keep in mind Billy Kimber's a piece of shit. So he's the one who caused it. Yeah, here he pulls his gun on, on Tommy, shoots Tommy in the chest. Danny Danny basically runs after him like a I mean, he kind of looked I mean, like a Danny psychopath. Ran like a, like a maniac. He just looked like he got possessed shot. and just started running after him and gets shot. Which shows the loyalty of yeah. Tommy's men as opposed to Kimber's men because they're all eating crap while Tommy's been shot. Mm-hmm. They're all celebrating, have their guns down, and Tommy just casually walks up and puts one right in Kimber's forehead, which was very satisfying. Yeah, it, well, it was very Very satisfying. similar to a tuna being slaughtered. Have you ever seen a tuna being... A little bit. It's like you, you right, wire yeah, right, right through the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, All right. it, it, Billy Kimber died much sooner than I expected and, and remembered, to be honest. Like, I forgot he actually died in this until I really? saw it. Until I saw and knew that he was marching in here. I, it, I just forgot about it. No, um, I, remember, I remember this sequence so well. When you have Tommy looking down at his uh wound and you just see that one shot of him walking up oh it's it's that, priceless it's iconic iconic i yeah. i ought the trick the like the trigger control on all of these yeah all, <laughs> these, all guys, these guys right? there's like a, there's like a good 30 40 people here and nobody else no one's open fire freaking uh, who are these men shot. like what are you hired for by kimber yeah these well, guys could have easily killed all these <laughs> all these guys in fact in this moment when Tommy's giving them a speech to not just to go home to their wives, mm-hmm. they have their guns raised and pointed while the Peaky Blinders have their guns dropped. Mm-hmm. Like at that yeah, moment, it's I don't a know. victory. I don't think they have their guns dropped. The Peaky Blinders, I still see the, the Lewis gun up. Um, It's still pointing towards. I guess it's very easy for me guys. to say sitting in my comfy chair here, uh, whether they should have opened fire, but. 
you know. Well, I mean, you're working for a bully. You don't want to die. You got family at home. Uh, I guess it just depends who's your bully, right? Because yeah, Tommy's I mean, a bully. You you cut the head off but, and. Uh, but he's a loyal bully. Exactly. He, he doesn't he doesn't treat his crew like trash. No. He treats them like family. No. Yeah. And but the and the other the other people have more to lose, right? Like, they're wealthier. I mean. They they have you're right you they know, like, they cut, all have family like and soft like Tommy's even family more. is yeah, the but, gang but it, even more reason is there not anybody there positioning for power is there no one there who's sees an opportunity okay Kimber's dead now I'm gonna shoot Tommy you know what I'm saying yeah I, it could have been I, I just these are criminals man it's scripted what can we say you're right you're right. There's only so far we can yeah, take Yeah, I know. It, we, I mean, we, we could what if the crap out of this whole thing, but... Let's pretend it's real. Let's yeah, pretend it's real. exactly. Well, back at the police station, Campbell gets a nice encounter from Grace, who uh, <laughs> asks him what he said to Tommy, which he really didn't give away the, you know, the magic juju. No, he didn't. He just told Tommy that he was going to be uh, heartbroken by the end of the day, which he was 100% correct. Mm-hmm. And really... Did Campbell do anything wrong in regards to the Grace and Tommy relationship? In fact, he kind of let Tommy off the hook by not. He knew where Tommy was that night with Grace. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to. So, in some ways, Campbell's gotten more Grace. I mean, Tommy's gotten more Grace from Campbell than the other way around, if you think about it. Um, yeah. in some, I'm not defending Campbell here. I'm just saying that Campbell could have told Tommy straight up. Oh, yeah, Grace told me. But then again, I'm talking to myself now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he didn't tell Tommy, not because he wanted to show him some like you know, some kindness. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't tell Tommy because if he told Tommy, then Tommy probably would have called off his plans and not taken Kimber out today. Yeah, that's a possibility. But I I also feel like it's almost worse finding it out for yourself, right? Like oh yeah, if, yeah, you're if, right. If uh, Campbell was to just outright tell me, you know, Tommy's gonna be like, ah, oh, shut up, you know. It, like who who knows he, he could just be lying to you but i don't know i think the sting is going to be a bit worse when you when you realize it for yourself yeah by the way did you notice finn was in the firefight with kimber he had a little pistol in his hand i no i think i missed that you missed that no he was right in the center fighting with them <laughs> he was well the peaky blinders they were a group of young young kids who fought in the old uh birmingham yeah i mean it was a young it's basically a game full of kids. I'm just like kidding. Finn, <laughs> Finn, Finn was not in that firefight. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, you, you, you're testing me there. And I'm like, no, no. I have watched it. <laughs> I am well, paying attention. Uh, Campbell gets the news from uh, Sergeant Righteousness that uh, the Peaky Blinders have survived the fight with Kimber. And mm-hmm. Kimber, I mean, uh, Campbell seems very disappointed in the fact that the Peaky Blinders are alive. Surprise, surprise. And that Billy Kimber was the only person that died. <laughs> Yeah, the only person that died, and the sergeant really just continues to rub it in that nobody can be arrested because there was no witnesses. Yep. And um, it's like you never even came to serve, sir. All right? Mm-hmm. So pretty much this I is kind of like France, the sergeant with middle fingers up if you really think about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, well, aside from that, the Peaky Blinders celebrate. Danny Wisbanks carted off and buried on the high hill like he wanted. Yeah, he's officially dead now. He's not actually living in London, which is uh, why, you know, I, I say there's no need for us to see anything about the cops trying to investigate the Danny Wisbang who 
lives yes, in London. But that's fine and dandy because he's dead. Yes. But if he wasn't dead, that's an issue for Danny Wisbang in the future. Yes. But right, who that's knows what I'm what trying could to have say. Happened off screen, right? Like they could, they could have checked in. No, of it. course, of course. But what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, first and foremost, wear a mask. You know, like in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. You, know, you put a mask on before you rob a train. You know. Yeah. You just do. <laughs> you know, Zach, when you're robbing Seven Elevens at night, you don't ever go in there without a. You know. No, I I can't say that I I've gone in there without a mask. See? Um, when exactly. I when I show up for that occasion. But you yeah. know, on the other hand. You would also think it's kind of like, not rules of engagement or anything like that, but common sense to just, if if you and I were robbing something somewhere where nobody recognized us, and mm-hmm. I was just yeah, like, yeah. hey, Mario, please stole, what's up, man? You, you're here? Yeah. No, that, that's, that's even more dumb. These cops are coming from Birmingham. I don't see why you're disagreeing with me here. Just don't dox the guy who's breaking you out of prison. How about that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, I don't see what's there here to disagree with. It's pretty clear. You just don't dox the guy who's breaking you out of prison. That's exactly what I'm saying. All right. You ever watch Ocean's Eleven? You don't hear him saying, oh, it's Danny, o- you know, it's Danny Ocean. Like, oh, it's- that's the guy who stole from this casino. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. It's just... Speaking <sighs> speaking of, casino- of casinos... What about it? I've got to watch the new season of Ozarks. That's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I know. I, I saw you watching it. All right, back yeah. to Peaky. Okay. Well, the Peaky Blinders are celebrating, like I said, and Tommy has made it a point to confront Grace, who at this point the ship has sailed. Grace is trying to reconcile, mm-hmm. and... It's like speaking to somebody who's not listening. I think there is still a soft spot here with uh, with Tommy. And there he is still is. thinking about what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And Grace essentially gives him an ultimatum. Like, hey, look, I'm going to be in London for a week. I'll wait for you. And uh, the episode ends on that note where Tommy's heartbroken, clearly. And he opens up that bottle of champagne with Polly that Grace actually specifically got for them yeah. to celebrate. But uh, he drinks it and cheers to the other women that will come <laughs> along. And uh, you, I kind of see there's a moment in this where Polly is when all right. So because Tommy's writing a letter to Grace at the end, that's yeah. how this finale ends. And you see a shot of Polly crying, like praying. It's almost like she's praying that Tommy doesn't leave because she knows that it's like a crucial decision for him right now. Mm-hmm. But in his loneliness and in his obligation to his family he does write a letter letting grace know these things in, in terms of like that he has to look yeah he look has to look out for the people who he cares for his brothers his sister mm-hmm. and polly but even then even with all of that you can tell he loves her so much that he actually still goes back to the old way he used to make a decision yeah. so he flips a coin flips a coin yep and i also season, go, go ahead. ahead no no go ahead uh, i was just going to make a comment i just love how like plastered um, Arthur and John are in the background, just blackout drunk. You can't blame them. The weight of the organization doesn't fall on their shoulders. They're no. just like, you know, they're just soldiers. You know, mm-hmm. they're soldiers for the organization. But Tommy's the one who carries the bulk of the of the stress of it. Yeah. And uh, he pretty much hinges this whole decision of where whether he's going to go with Grace on a coin flip. And it leaves us with a cliffhanger with the coin on the table, Tommy's hand slapping it down on the on the countertop. And Campbell pointing a gun at Grace with a gunshot. Yeah. 
Yeah, we hear it. We ought to be hearing rolling. a gunshot after we cut the black, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of suspense here. We don't really know what's happened. We don't know the decision that Tommy's made. We don't know what happened with the gun. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's kind of how we end uh the and that's season. end of season one yeah. is the gunshot Campbell pointing his gun at Grace and potentially shooting her. That's, that's what it that's makes it. That's what it makes what it, it seem. Like. We don't see it on screen, but that's it. And that is the end of season one of a show that blew me away when I saw it for the first time years ago. Yeah. God, Zach. It's been like five or six years. Jeez. Any closing thoughts on your, this is your first rewatch of Peaky Blinders really. Yeah. Well, actually Kayla started watching it. Um, so I'm actually now on season three with, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm doing like, like, uh, dual doing streams double, of rewatches. Yeah. Double rewatch. You should bring Kayla on the, on one of these pods as a guest host. We'll see. <laughs> I've got, a, I do have another <laughs> microphone here actually. So I, hey. I might be able to hook that up, but there you go. There you go. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to like pretend to guess at what happens because in the end we do know what happens because we have seen seasons one through five at this point yeah Mm -hmm. um but no i mean the the first season here is much better than i remembered on rewatch i I do remember being a little not bored but kind of disappointed and just maybe not disappointed just a little uninterested the first time i watched this for like the first few episodes in here Mm -hmm. um but no all in all it was a, it was a really good season. I like the characters that are developing. I now don't dislike Grace. Um, I'm just I'm wondering who's gonna. Well, I know who, but when I finished watching this, I was wondering who's gonna take uh, Billy Kimber's place in this, right? Because you know he's he's the big villain here outside of uh, Campbell. Well, what this season does is it. You have a couple of villains here, right? You have, well, you have more than a couple. You have Kimber, you have Campbell, you have the IRA, you got the government mm-hmm. and the police for the most part as, as you know, ancillary enemies. And you have Tommy on the rise, pretty much cementing himself as one of the greatest TV show antiheroes, even on season one. He's, mm-hmm. d- he's done it. And you get uh, an inkling that when he takes out Kimber, Either he's going to take over the third spot or, as he mentions and foreshadows our next two uh, characters, the Sabinis and the Solomons mm-hmm. ha- are the other two large uh, legal gambling rackets in uh, all of England, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> is there going to be a power vacuum? Is there going to be uh, essentially respect for the Peaky Blinders now? Or is Tommy going to, as he similarly had to do with um, Kimber, is he going to have to go after the two bigger fish? Because we assume after the way Tommy's talking that Sabini and Solomons are bigger fish than even Kimber was. So is this one step up, two step back? You know, what happens next? Because we have the Kimber storyline resolved. You still have Campbell in play here. We don't know what happens to Grace on that on that train station, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for the most part, you have the government situation for Tommy resolved. So his main conflict has to do with his whether he's going to go with Grace, if Grace is even alive now, 
what Campbell's retribution and plans for him are going to be. And what is the reaction to Kimber being gone going to be for the other two syndicates that he has to deal with now, yeah. contend with. All in all, a show that came out of nowhere, a show that did not start on Netflix, but I did watch on Netflix for the first time. It was a BBC show, and I think Netflix bought them after. Um, and was really, it, was it really a BBC show? Yes. Oh, I forgot about and that. It's still, and it still is a BBC yeah, I was, show. I, I tried to look this up on on the, well, what is it, Apple's TV shows, like mm-hmm. the store for that, and I couldn't find it. I, I don't think you can even buy this. I would be shocked if you can't buy it. I know it's on the BBC iPlayer. I think that's their streaming mm-hmm. software or streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if Netflix now owns them or what. I have no idea. Hmm. But... um regardless this this show did come out of nowhere and honestly um although Cillian Murphy was one of my favorite actors even before this show it just puts him on a different level six seasons after and you're even seeing the fruits of that now where I think even before Peaky he was not getting leading man roles in in big budget films and now he's already gotten one with um Quiet Place 2 and he's gonna have another one. I'm no, I know I'm missing more, but um, he's gonna be playing Oppenheimer in the next Christopher Nolan film. And he's been like in every single Nolan film since. God, I don't even know how far back Batman Begins. He was in it. I don't know if that was the first one though. Um, yeah, I think that was the first one that he was in. The, the Batman film that I. Now, if we if we have on. to say as far as success of the actors in this show. Um, the only other actor that I've seen in other in other TV shows is John Boy. John Boy does get a, a he did get a boost in his like mainstream acting roles, but I have not seen Arthur. I haven't. I have seen Polly. Yeah, we've um, seen Polly from Harry Potter and things like that. Mm-hmm. She plays Draco's uh, mother. mother. Yeah, um, and. We do not I have not seen Ada in anything, but I, I'm a big fan of her. Uh, and Freddie Thorne is a familiar actor, but I can't recall what else I've seen him in since Peaky. Freddie Thorne. I don't so. recall seeing Freddie Thorne in anything else. Yeah. I think maybe it's because he, he reminds me so much of Eminem. He looks just like he Eminem does. to me. I, was, I don't know what, I, what bit of the show I saw a day or two ago but i i was sat there and thinking i'm like god that, it literally looks just like eminem yeah it's crazy it's absolutely crazy so uh all in all great opening season mm-hmm. i mean i've already watched all the seasons so season two for me is even better than season one yeah uh i would have to say like if i had to rank them you know season one and season two are the apex of peaky and then um, it's still good, but there's more in moments. This is like everything is good in the first two seasons. Yeah. You know. So um, any uh, little categories we can do, Zach, that you can lead? Gosh. I mean, I, was, I, I, would, I would start with, you know, best scene overall. Overall, I would have to go with Paul, two scenes. Paulie talking about Tommy and her children mm-hmm. and the Soldier's Minute monologue. Yeah. I, I think for me it's the soldiers minute in combination with the showdown between, I mean everything between Billy Kimber and, and you know 
the Peaky Blinders. Everything's <clears throat> been building up to that at, at this point. So I would I would give it to that whole combo. Um, next one would just be you know most uh, like most prominent character. Prominent is the wrong word here, but what character stood out the most in this show to you? It has to be Tommy and Polly. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy and Polly for sure. Polly yeah. takes a prominent role in this episode. She does. She does. And, and she ha- takes a she takes an even more prominent role in the future seasons. You know. Yes, that's her rest her soul. That is but, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we we do again like there's a lot of character development going on here and you know, she does continue to step into this this uh mother well, mother who's, figure, right? who's more reliable in that family than Polly to Tommy? To Tommy? No one. Nobody. No one. No one. If you had to rely on anybody in that family, it's Tommy and Polly. Mm-hmm. That's it's it. Maybe Ada third. <clears throat> Maybe. I'm saying like with uh you know, with Arthur it's kinda like he's a he's a loose gun. I mean, you know He's a loose cannon. He, John Boy's a loose cannon too. Yeah. So, yeah he he is, but he 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 doesn't seem as thick as Arthur seems. <laughs> it's because he doesn't talk as much. Yeah, and he he doesn't try to hang himself either. So you know that that's also a plus. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, are we missing any other other scenes, loopholes, or no? I mean, all in all, I plot think, holes. I think this was a great, a great. I thought the scene. I thought the confrontation was a bit greasy. Not cheesy, but I feel like it doesn't go that clean in real life. Which one? Well, none of none of the, the conversations in here go that, that <laughs> no, well Kimber. in real life. The Kimber confrontation. Yeah, I. It was a bit clean. I mean, I'm surprised he got such a good headshot on him from that distance. I mean, it wasn't that far away, but I mean, if you've ever shot a revolver, swinging it out with that much weight on it, it's not the, the easiest adrenaline. shot. The right? adrenaline takes over, man. Yeah, it takes yeah, over. It doesn't, just make, been it doesn't make you superhuman. Or you've just like been, that. yeah, you've just been shot in the chest, and your nephew sitting in the middle of a battlefield right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sister. How about Ada's? <laughs> how about Ada's reaction here? Because you figure that also pisses you off, right? Because you just got shot. Mm-hmm. There's a baby in no man's land. You can't even wait for the baby to be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and which I think plays a role in Kimber's Ben not defending him. You know, yeah, but uh, because they all because I'm, cause I'm questioning. Yeah, well, who? How do we know they're family men? We don't. I mean, everybody is a family man at the end of the day, well, right? Tom, or they Tommy should be. Says it, right? Like you know, you all have wives. Oh, they families. Home, you know. Yeah, that's so, a weak, I think it's kind of know, just like we have to just take it for what it is. Right? I've just been shot in the chest. Please leave. Yeah. <laughs> We're outnumbered terribly. If you open fire, we'll probably all die. Yeah. <laughs> just go home. You know. Yeah. Uh, either way, man. With all of that said and done, who wants Tommy to die? No one. So let let the confrontation be the way it is. Mm-hmm. Let it be the way it is. We'll deal with it. But overall, give me more Peaky Blinders. And also, I had a side thought on this. Mm-hmm. I know they want to do a Peaky Blinders movie mm-hmm. after season six. What about a prequel movie of the Shelby Boys prior to World War uh, One? I wonder, I wonder how great would that be? Where you see Tommy yeah. before, how he is before the war, and then how he is after. That would be a great movie, right there. Yeah, I think it would be pretty interesting, uh, but I feel like we would need to backtrack that a little bit more. Yeah, um, you'd have to get a little bit of well. We don't want to give up details about future seasons of what we learn about Tommy before the war and yeah. stuff like that. But 
yes, I agree. You would have to show more backstory about the upbringing and yeah, maybe maybe like a year prior to his departure, and then the rumblings of war in Europe, and mm-hmm. and then show the their their battles in the war, and then you'd have the characters being Tommy, Arthur, John, Jeremiah, Scud, uh, Danny Wisbang. And pretty much everybody who was part of the Small Heath Rifles, because it seems like they had like their own little battalion, which yeah. would be an interesting movie, you know? Yeah. And the re- the moment I thought that was when Tommy's giving the speech. I was like, man, it would be really cool to see. And also when when um, Grace asks Polly, how was he before the war? That, that to me was like, oh, there's something there. There could be something there if they wanted to do it. You know? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we touch on it a bit throughout the show, and not just us, but the show does itself touch on it. Um, I, it would be an interesting take on, you know, kind of creating a movie about a show after the show has taken place. Yeah. Seeing a prequel, <clears throat> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, you know, getting a better sense of the early days of the Peaky Blinders, right? Because the Peaky Blinders existed before the Shelbys went to war, right? Like that it was all going on before they came back to this business. So yeah, I, I, I'd be open for that. I mean, I'm buying my ticket. My ticket's already pre-ordered. The movie doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. Script's not even written. I think you need to pitch it. Um, <clears throat> to Stephen Knight. Yeah. Pitch it and just say, you know what? Pay me. I'll film it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. It'd be a dream come true. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be amazing. I'll bring you on as a consultant, a script do consultant. What do you do? Beautiful. I don't know, but I don't we'll bring you on. Yeah, just, <laughs> we'll yeah, find whatever. something for you. <laughs> whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll just say, you know what? That that that's good. This is good. I'll I'll, I'll put my stamp of approval on it after. You'll just be you'll just make, be making sure the whiskey's Irish. Like, it's Irish. Go. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a pleasure to running through season one. We're going to now take a little hiatus and not go to season two. Instead, mm-hmm. we're going to go straight into season six, part one. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go into season six, part two, which is hopefully premiering in the next month but we will tell you this if we do finish season six and get them all up online um before season six part two comes out Mm -hmm. we'll go back to season two absolutely and we'll just start picking up from there and keep it going because uh, i figure before the first quarter of the year is over we'll probably be through with all of uh the series yeah yeah and then you'll have to watch ozark zach because damn it i finished it this weekend and it was incredible nice i've watched every season but the latest one so i've oh, just been waiting okay. on this I, I i don't know why i thought it got canceled i read something at some point that was like oh yeah it got canceled. that's I'm like, right what? i remember you told me i remember you told yeah, me no, and i was good. surprised by that i'm like it's a good show how how could i get canceled but <clears> really I'm, good. I'm super happy that there's a new season out so yeah. i will uh i will give it a watch at some point soon anyways thank you all for listening uh, this is this has been a real pleasure you know re-watching the show i'm super excited to get into season two um and well the rest of them that that will be recording <laughs> shortly but anyways uh you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple spotify google podcasts you can find us in other places however you know those are the those are the major ones um you can find us at our instagram channel uh or instagram what is it handle at uh story archives um and then you can actually visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com uh and beyond that that kind of brings us to our uh 
podcast network, The Midnight Exchange. So you can go to the website there at themidnightexchange.com. And there's a whole bunch of links that take you out to other social media, you know, accounts for The Midnight Exchange. And, you know, there's also a podcast over there if you want to listen to it available in all the same places. And, um, yeah, if you want to send us an email, maybe you have a show suggestion, you want to uh, maybe even be a guest on the show. Again, maybe you're a domain <coughs> expert in, in something peaky, uh, a historian of some sort, perhaps. We'd, we'd love to, uh, to have you on. So go ahead and send us an email at podcast at themidnightexchange.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. <laughs>